Well, this morning, uh, if you've got a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, I'm going to just very quickly set us up for tonight. Today, today is a great day. Uh, every Sunday is a great Sunday to just gather together as a church family, to, to worship God, to be in the Word of God. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Colin last week for, for stepping in and stepping up. Uh, last week, Colin got a full dose of, uh, of pastoral ministry, uh, leading worship, uh, and preaching. Uh, he probably even came and cleaned on Saturday, and so uh, I think he probably had a little bit of uh, exhaustion on Monday. From uh, Corey was actually scheduled to preach last Sunday, and, uh, and I know Corey's here today, but Corey, uh, a couple of week and a half ago or whatever, uh, came down with COVID, and so, uh, man, we had to make a rash change in the lineup. And I'm thankful that we got men in our church that because we, we believe the Bible and because we believe in discipleship, uh, God continually is raising people up. And so uh, I'm thankful that uh, Colin stepped in. I'm also thankful that Corey's here today. He's doing much better. And so uh, I've already told him he owes us some pulpit time. And so here in a week or two, you're going to be hearing uh, Corey uh, bring the word. And I'm, I'm, I know he was excited about preaching. I was excited about him preaching. And uh, now I get to be here for it. And so I'm really thankful for that. Uh, so this morning, we're really just taking a break from our study in the book of Revelation. I want to spend some time this morning preparing us for what God is going to do and has already been doing up until this point and even tonight with the ordination service with Cody into pastoral ministry. And let me just say this as we start. I want you to understand that what is going to happen tonight doesn't happen in most churches. As a matter of fact, it is probably the exception to most churches. I've even had conversation with, with several of our members just leading up to, to tonight and talking about you know, God raising up leaders from within our local body and, and uh, how God calls and gifts a pastor and what that process looks like. And I've had multiple people tell me, well, I've never really seen that in a church. What I have seen is a pastoral search committee where we go get a guy with a degree, you know, and he preaches some sermons and then, uh, you know, the committee votes on him and presents him to a church and then the church votes yay or nay. And now here's a pastor or here's an additional pastor to your staff. And that's all fine. I'm not, I'm not mocking that or minimizing that. But what I am saying is it's a very special thing that what's going to happen tonight is a biblical thing. It, it's actually the biblical model that God gives us in the Word of God. And so uh, if you're in Ephesians chapter 4, let me pray. we got just a few minutes. I want to I just very quickly uh, expound the Word of God to us in preparation uh, for what God has been doing uh, and up to and including tonight for our service. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for what we've heard. Thank you for what we've experienced this up to this point. God, thank you for the worship. Thank you for the Chichewa team. God, just, uh, man, what an awesome team uh, that put their hand to the, to the labor at hand. And Lord, you strengthened our feeble hands. God, you gave us the, the ability uh, to have our hands on the very word of God that's going to be in the hands of, of the people in Zambia very soon by your grace. Thank you for giving us a great trip. Thank you for protecting us. I pray that you, you get those Bibles there, Lord, and protect those Bibles, and may they get into the hands of the people. And Lord, may the seed of the Word of God take root in the hearts of those people. And may many people come to Christ, and many disciples be, be made. And God, would you raise up leaders in the Zambian churches and Malawi churches uh, because, of, because of that Word, so that your work can continue. Thank you for Joseph and Sherry. Thank you for what they mean to me and what they mean to this church. Bless their ministry, God. We pray for, for the things they ask for, God. We ask you to, to, to open the door clearly for, for land, for a house. Lord, the needs that they have in the ministry, thank you for the, the, 
the open door to this new area of ministry that, that they weren't even planning on. And yet, God, through your grace and through your Holy Spirit, God, you, you've opened a door of utterance uh, that no man can shut. And I'm thankful for that. Thank you for his flexibility and being sensitive to your leading. And Lord, I do pray for his family, for his marriage. God, I pray you strengthen him through your word and through your spirit. God, we love them very, very much. And today, God, speak to us through your word. God, you have some important things for us to learn this morning. And so I pray by your Holy Spirit and by your grace that we can learn these things. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. In your notes this morning, if you got notes, you can, you can follow along on your phone or you can grab that, that note sheet uh, in your seat this morning. Let's talk about a pastor this morning. God's perfecting gift is a pastor. God's perfecting gift is a pastor. I didn't say God's perfect gift is a pastor, but God's perfecting gift for the church, for the body of Christ is a pastor. And as we get ready for Christmas, uh, I, would, I would have you know this morning that God is blessing our church a little early uh, with the ordination of Cody Head. Because number one in your notes, a pastor is a present. Is a present. It's, he's a gift from God. And I, and I would have you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. The Bible says, But unto every one of us is great, given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. You know, when Jesus Christ was on this earth, Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When Christ had his earthly ministry, he was God manifest in the flesh. But according to Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascended to sit at the right hand of God the Father. But what God did was something very unique. Jesus Christ replaced himself on this earth with three things. Number one, he replaced his spirit with the Holy Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples, listen, it, it's, it's needful that I go away because if I don't go, the comforter can't come to you. John 14, John chapter 16. And so Christ replaced himself with the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, Christ replaced himself with the word of God because John chapter one tells us that Christ himself is the word that was manifest in the flesh. But listen, Christ is seated at the right hand of God, but we still have access to the Word of God through the inscripturated Word of God. And then lastly, Christ replaced his body with the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is every spirit-filled believer that's in Christ. And because we have the Spirit of God, God says that we have all been gifted with spiritual gifts. If you're a believer in Christ and you sang that song this morning, that I'm saved, I got saved, well, the thing you got was the Holy Spirit that seals you, and the thing that you got was a spiritual gift to serve the body of Christ with. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 12, I've got a lot of verses, but if you go down to verse 6, the Bible tells us in verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And it goes on through the list of gifts. Here's the point. The point is, as believers in Christ, we are part of his body. And as, as part of his body, we all have different gifts. And I want you to understand that God has gifted certain people within the body of Christ with the gift of the pastorate. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. The Bible says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors 
and teachers. And, and again, if you go back to verse 8, the context is Christ giving gifts unto men. In Ephesians 4, there is a list of some gifts. It's not all of the spiritual gifts. You would need to go to 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4 to get all the gifts. But here's the point. The point is the pastor is a gift to the body of Christ. And here's the key. Like every other spiritual gift, it has been given by the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, nobody just decides, well, I'm going to be a pastor. Nobody just decides, well, I'm going to have the gift of, of exhortation. Nobody just decides, well, I'm going to have the gift of a prophecy, or I'm going to have the, the gift of an apostle. You don't get to decide that. The Holy Spirit of God decides that. As a matter of fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 7, Paul, dealing with the, the, the Corinthian church, he has to establish this principle. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. In other words, every one of us have a spiritual gift. And the calling and giftedness for those that are in the pastorate is a spiritual gift given by the Holy Spirit of God. Nobody just decides, I'm going to be a pastor. Now, if they do that, that's not according to the Bible. Do you understand that? Are we good with that? Nobody. And by the way, whatever your spiritual gift is, you didn't get to decide it. God decided that through his Holy Spirit. You may not even like your spiritual gift. You may not even know what your spiritual gift is. And you may not even use your spiritual gift. But God gave you one. And God says his intention, according to verse 7, is that your spiritual gift is given to you to profit with all, to profit the body of Christ, which leads to the next key. Look, a pastor is to profit the body of Christ, and so are you, and so are you. And so if you're saved, you have a spiritual gift, and, it, and that giftedness is to profit the body of Christ. And so maybe you should ask yourself the question, what is my spiritual gift? And am I seeing it profit the body of Christ? That's why there's no room in Christianity for, 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 for lone ranger Christians. Do you understand? There's no room in Christianity for Christians that would not be connected to a body of believers because everything that God has for you as a believer in Christ comes corporately through a body. I'm not getting a lot of amens this morning, so maybe we need to learn a little bit about spiritual gifts. Your spiritual gift is not... Is not for you, it's for me. And I would appreciate it if you used it. Amen? And my spiritual gift is not for me, it's for you. And by the grace of God and the Spirit of God, I want to be submissive to let God use that to bring profit to your life as a believer in Christ. You see, God assembled this body of Christ together, and God has gifted certain people with certain gifts, and we're all gifted. And we're all called to profit the body of Christ. And so this thing of the pastor is a gift from God through his Holy Spirit. Number two, a pastor is to perfect the saints. His calling is to perfect the saints. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did God do that? Well, he tells you in the very next verse. Verse 12, for 
the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And again, we get to celebrate Christmas early because God is giving us another pastor in our church family. We get a gift, and that gift has a very specific purpose. The purpose of that gift is to perfect the body. And so get this key in your notes. A pastor is a gift, and he's been given to accomplish the mission. He's been given to accomplish the mission. God edifies the body through his giftedness so that we can do the work of the ministry together, so that we can edify the body of Christ together and that we can corporately be about the mission. And so there's a threefold purpose to a pastor's calling. Number one, he's gifted to perfect the saints. What that means is that he's going to equip the saints. The way God uses that gift in the body of Christ is to equip the saints So a Christian without a pastor will never become what God intends for him or her to become. I know that's not popular. I don't care. (laughs) A Christian without a pastor will never become what God intended for them to become because God said that he gave the church pastors and teachers to equip, to perfect the saints. Well, I'm just going to pastor myself at home. Good luck with that. One, you probably don't have the giftedness. Two, it's not a corporate assembly. You're violating scripture all over the place. God's God's calling and and, and equipping for the pastorate is to, to equip the saints. And I'm thankful. Listen, when I got saved at the age of 21, God put me in a church that had some gifted and called men of God leading that church. And I went from being a spiritual, ignorant, wet behind the ear idiot. Still got the idiot part, but at least I learned some things along the way. Do you understand? God used those men in my life to teach me the word of God, to teach me the God of the word and how to have a right relationship with him. And and I dare say that my time at Decatur Baptist Church was spent under the authority of pastoral leadership that had the intention to equip me as a young man in Christ. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for their ministry in my life. Number two, the second tier of that is for the work of the ministry. In other words, when we become perfected, we will get engaged. You see, your perfecting has a purpose, and it's to get involved in the ministry of reconciliation. You see, it's not the pastor's sole responsibility to do the work of the ministry. Man, I'm throwing y'all softballs today. It's not the pastor's sole responsibility to do the work of the ministry. He is called to do the work of the ministry, but his job is to engage you in the work of the ministry. And let me just say something. Perfected saints participate, and immature saints are inactive. And you can probably figure out which one you are by that statement this morning. Amen? Perfected saints participate. You see, the goal for every Christian is to be mature, to be engaged in the ministry of reconciliation corporately. We all have different gifts. We all have different talents. God wants to use all of those things for his glory's sake. And you may never stand in a pulpit or lead a class or teach the word of God. You may need to go put some hands on some Bibles to edify the body. You may need to come labor physically in this place. You may just go and preach the gospel and win some people to Christ. God wants you to do something. And if you are inactive, you're probably immature and you need to be discipled. 
Number three, God tells us that the, that the pastor is for the edifying of the body of Christ. For the edifying of the body of Christ. And that means to be built up. Edification means to be built up. He, he, he is gifted. He's a gift to the church to build up the saints to become more like Christ. And, and if we're going to be built up, there's got to be some things that are tore down in our life. I mean, if we're going to walk in the Spirit, there's some things in our flesh that we got to deal with. There's some things that when God's Word is opened and, and a pastor preaches and teaches God's Word, it, it is like a skilled surgical instrument that is able to have access to our heart and our thoughts and our intentions, and God is able to cut some things away so that we can become more like Christ. That's the point. And so there's a threefold nature of the pastoral role. Number one, he's called a bishop in the Bible. And as we look at the nature of the pastoral role this morning, I want you to understand that a bishop refers to the office, and it describes the function. A pastor watches over. He takes oversight. 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, If any man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. It's, it's a work that God calls us to in the pastorate. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 5 says this, If a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? And, and, and so God wants leadership. He wants rulership. He wants care given within the body of Christ. And he does that through a pastor, a bishop, a shepherd, an elder. That's what he does. And, and I have a ton of verses, but for time's sake, I just want to, I just want to remind you of Philippians chapter one. I think I have that on there, Derek, maybe a little bit later. You know, Paul, Paul was an apostle. Paul had a, a young son in the faith named Timothy. And, and Paul had a very unique relationship with Timothy. He was his son in the faith. He wasn't his physical son, but he led him to Christ. He discipled him. And, and, and he, he absolutely knew that Timothy would take the care of the churches just like Paul would. Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 to 21 says this, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. You see, Paul couldn't be there with the Philippians, but Paul said, okay, I can't go there, but what I can do is send Timothy. And it's exactly the same thing, and he's going to care for you just like I would care for you in Christ. He says, all seek after their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ, except for Timothy. So I can trust you with Timothy, and I can trust Timothy with you. You see, we need people like this in our life. We need bishops in our life that will take the oversight and the care for us. Too many Christians settle for less than a pastor in their life. It leads to confusion and weakness. It leads to a lack of care biblically. And I don't know why you would settle for less, but that's what, that's what happens many, many times. A bishop is a steward of God. He's given the responsibility of the ministry. Number two, he's an elder. And so again, in the Bible, a pastor is called a bishop. He's also called an elder. Those terms are used interchangeably in Titus chapter 1. The elder refers to the person and describes his form. He has a personal history with God. Elder many times denotes maturity. Does that make sense? And, and, and God tells us, and, and God uses this word many, many times in the Bible concerning those that would be pastors. Again, pastor, elder, bishop are used synonymously throughout the scripture. Acts chapter 20 and verse 17, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. First Timothy 5 and verse 17, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. 
And that speaks to maturity. And God's word tells us that anybody that's going to be in the pastor, it can't be a novice. Now, age doesn't equal maturity, but it should. Age doesn't always equal spiritual maturity, but it should. But a pastor for sure cannot be a novice. He can't be spiritually immature. And, and, and his calling is to be an example to the flock and to lead by example. First Timothy, or excuse me, First Peter chapter 5, you know, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder. Peter's writing to other pastors. He says, I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ, a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He's telling these elders, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, not, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God, God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. You know, pastor's got to be an example, not just in what he preaches, but how he lives his life. And we'll talk more about that tonight. And its sample is a sample that you can taste, you can, you can digest. A pastor is not given to lord over his church, but to serve his church because it's Christ's church and Christ is the chief shepherd. It's, these are his sheep. These are, these are his sheep. The pastor exists to serve you as the body of Christ, but it's not necessarily to please you. You awake? <laughs> Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. And, and I'll mention this tonight, but I, I will tell you there is a tendency within the pastorate to really get concerned about what people think. You better be worried about what God thinks concerning the pastorate. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For yet if I please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. We just need to be reminded this morning that a pastor really works for one man, the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, a pastor will appreciate your compliments and in your encouragement, but ultimately what he desires to hear is, well done, thou good and faithful servants. That's why he has to be careful to never be caught in the trap of pleasing men, but to please God. The third nature of the pastoral ministry is that of a pastor or shepherd. And literally what that means is he's able to feed and he has the privilege of feeding God's flock. Look at 1 Peter 5 and verse 2. It says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Acts 20 and verse 28, God tells us, that we are to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And so the steady diet of God's word has to come from the pulpit. A weak church is a result of an improper diet. Many sheep are skinny because of a pulpit ministry that feeds flock traditions, philosophy, vain deceit, political preference, or just plain nonsense. But the word of God must be the main diet for the Christian and for the church. So we can't achieve spiritual growth and be equipped to do the work of the ministry without the Word of God. We have to have a steady diet of it. And that, what that means for the church is that we need to be show up and, and, and ready to eat. That's what it means. We went to a buffet in um, Missouri. I never knew there was such a buffet as this. We, we went to this buffet. I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, it was an Italian buffet, supposedly. Sinzetti's. Had me a little concerned because it had sin in the front of it, but whatever. There was a lot of sinning going on in the case of gluttony. 
at this uh, buffet. So we go to this, this place called Sinzetti's, and, and, you know, the team from Missouri said, hey, this place has everything, every type of pasta, every type of pizza, every type of cannoli, you know, whatever those are. Uh, we, huh? Re- yeah, then they had, like, Kansas City barbecue, potato. They had all this stuff. We walked in, and I was like, okay, man, I don't, I don't know what the feast at the marriage supper of the lamb is going to be like, but this pretty good precursor right here. You walked in, and it was just like, and they told us, like, get ready, you know, type thing. So I didn't eat much at lunch, like a pizza, you know, just a little bit of lunch. And I was like, okay, well, here we are. And, man, we just went to town, you know, plate after plate after plate. Some of you guys now are interested in a mission trip to Missouri. Praise the Lord for that. Man, I showed up to eat. <laughs> and it was like, there's so much here, I can't taste everything once. But I want something. And so I got what I thought looked the best. I showed up ready to eat. You know, that's how you ought to be in church. You ought to show up ready to eat. You ought to take notes. You ought to pay attention. You ought to listen again later on because there's something that God has for you in his word. Because God is serving up what you need for this week today. So don't walk out of here in a famine. Feast on the word of God. God gives us pastors to feed the flock. God gives us pastors to give us sound doctrine and by the way, there's only type, two types of doctrine in the Bible, sound doctrine and false doctrine. And thank God that we have people in this church that understand sound doctrine. A pastor, because of his labor, needs to be rewarded for his labor. And, and there's a ton of verses we could, we could look at in 1 Timothy chapter 5. God tells us that, that, that an ox that, that treads out the corn needs to be rewarded for his labor. And I know you're looking at your notes thinking, man, we're done, Right? Well, point number three is this. A pastor operates in a plurality. And some of you have already said, man, where's Cody going? I mean, is he going to Zambia? I mean, where's he going? He's going to be a pastor. Where's he going? Uh, The good news, or or, maybe the bad news, is that he's not going anywhere right now. And, And the reason he's not going anywhere is because when we read the Word of God, we see that this thing of the pastorate, there's always a plurality of elders, you say, well, Jay, why, why haven't we had that before? Well, because we haven't trained them before now. But now we have. But now we have by the grace of God. As a matter of fact, when you look all the way through the scripture, Jesus always sends his disciples out, his apostles out at least two by two at a minimum. And so there's a plurality of leadership. You know, in Acts chapter 14, for instance, you get down to, to verse 23 and Paul Again, is going uh, this part of his second missionary journey. He's going back through some areas that he's already preached the gospel. I mean, he, he went through Iconium and Lystra and Derby. Then he gets stoned in Lystra. By the grace of God, he's, he's resurrected. And then, and then the Bible tells us in verse 21 that they preached the gospel to that city. He had taught many. He returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith that through much tribulation we should enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained them elders, listen, in every church. Elders in every church. That's a plurality of leadership in every church. And when they prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And again, you have a ton of references and we don't have a ton of time. But every time elders are mentioned, they're always mentioned in the plural. They're always mentioned in the plural Because God gives a plurality of leadership to the local church. He gives a plurality of leadership to the local church. And I'm thankful for that. Because more more laborers mean more ministry can get accomplished. There's just so much one guy can do. 
No offense. I think that's why God, even from the beginning, sent his apostles out two by two. And then the last thing is this. A pastor is to be a picture. He's to be a picture. He's not going to be perfect, but what he is to, to be is a picture because he's a bishop, because he's an elder, because he's a pastor or a shepherd. Well, his life is to picture the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, a pastor is to picture Christ. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 25, it says, For ye were as sheep going astray, but now are ye returned unto the shepherd and bishop, capital S, capital B, of your souls. Do you know that Jesus Christ desires to be your shepherd? He, he desires to be your overseer. He, he desires to watch for your soul. And as such, God puts people in the ministry that are called to watch for your soul. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's a very humbling, fearful thing. It, it's fearful that God would allow and call people into ministry and give them the title that is reserved for Christ himself. That's a fearful thing. But a, a pastor is supposed to point you to Christ. He won't be a perfect picture. He'll never be a perfect picture. This one certainly is not. Cody won't be. But I'll tell you this, he is to be an example of the believer. He's to point you to the chief shepherd. And where you see failure and inconsistency in his life, understand that Christ is perfect. And there is no inconsistency. There's no wavering in the person of Jesus Christ in your life. You see, a pastor ought to point you to Christ with his life because he stays close to the Lord in his personal worship and a pastor should point you to Christ with his words. Because what he communicates to you are the very words of God. Not his opinion, not his politics, not his preferences, not things to please you. What he communicates is the word of God to you. And if he does that, what you have is a perfect picture of Christ. Does that make sense? So church, I'm very excited for our, our family. We just need to re realize biblically what God is doing in our church. We need to rejoice in that. We need to be excited about that. And, and let me just again say, man, as much as we're going to make a big deal about this and we are going to make a big deal about it, you have a gift too. <laughs> and it's no less important to the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, I would say that the gift of the pastor is just a gift and it's given by the Spirit of God. And it's just a man that God wants to use. And God has men and women in this church that God wants to raise up mature and engage in the ministry to build this body of believers, both spiritually and numerically. That's why God put us together. And I'm thankful for you. I really am thankful for you. So let's pray. We're going to receive our offering now, and we'll dismiss, and uh, we'll see you back tonight soon.